I'm Caroline. I'm Jason. Welcome to one more episode where we talk about what we're watching in the murder, mystery, and psychological thriller genres. In today's episode, we dissect episode three of Dexter Newblood, Smoke Signals, with our special guest, Carl. We dive deep into Harrison's character and character and learn about how to keep family and killers close. To recap episode two, Harrison and Audrey are getting closer. Are there roadblocks for Dexter and Harrison's relationship? Deb is still off the chains. Mysterious Girl is still missing. The investigation centers around Dexter's house. Angela needs to talk. And the whole town is looking for Matt. So here we are for episode three of our podcast. Episode three. After our episode two last week, we did receive a message from someone mentioning the birch trees there from upper or upstate New York and that there are birch trees in New York. Our correction, there are birch trees in the state (laughs) of New York. So Google lied to you on that one. Yeah. (laughs) And I also wanted to tell you that I did start watching The Killing. Are you hooked? I am, although I will say it's taken me about five episodes in to get hooked. Really? Yes. Do you love Sarah, the main character? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes. And I also started Midnight Mass as well. Oh, what do you think of that one? Again, it's taken me a little bit of time to get into it. That one, it took me like probably the third episode before I really started to like it. Okay. I'm on episode two. So I'm, like I said, just starting to get into it. And so I'm not really sure what I think about this one yet. Just wait until you get towards the end. I think you'll, you'll really like it. Um, and I'm not going to ruin the ending, but um, I, I think it's prolific actually the the ending it's it's really it's done well i have actually almost finished all of american rust Ooh, and i've heard from other people that i'm going to be disappointed with the ending that it's a cliffhanger but that's kind of what you want to watch into the next season though right like you want more i think of the series if you feel that it's good and you want to learn more and the story to continue on, then yes, I like a good cliffhanger. But it is based off of a book too. So, I mean, I don't know that they'll have a season two. I need to look that up on the Google machine. (laughs) I've found that it does take me a little while to get into a series if I don't bond with the main characters. That's what I've just learned watching some of these series that people um, really like. and. Maybe it takes me a little longer to get into. Have you watched the show You on Netflix? See, that's one that I started watching and then I just couldn't quite get into. So I stopped. Okay. See, I haven't started that one yet. So that's interesting that you say that. Um, It really got me thinking on, are there any shows that people love, but they were really hard for you to get into. Not off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure there are a lot out there that it'll take a couple episodes. Actually, it wasn't a murder mystery show, but it was the one with the girl from um, the hospital show. Um, They're best friends. I think her name's like Teague or, or something like that. Firefly Lane. Is that the name of it? Oh, maybe. I haven't seen that one. It took me like three or four episodes before I was like, ooh, I kind of like this. Yeah. See, the one that's on the top of my head that everyone loves that I couldn't get into is The Sopranos. Ooh, I never watched The Sopranos either. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone watched that show. Everyone loved The Sopranos. And I feel like I'm the only person that. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Just could not get into that one. 
All right. Um, so really exciting for this, our third episode of the podcast. We do have a guest that's going to join us. Ooh, a guest. Yes. A guest. Our first guest. We're so excited. Um, Carl is joining us. Hey, hey y'all. Hey, Carl. I'm so excited. It's like a dream come true. <laughs> well, maybe afterwards you won't feel that way. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Let's see how it goes. Um, but Carl and I actually worked together um, for a few years in a, what feels like a previous life at this right, point. Yeah. And um, we really wanted to have Carl on because um, I know of his love of mysteries, psychological thrillers, murder, because we talked about it almost every day. Every day. Like, I can't rewatch an episode of Mindhunter without thinking of you. Oh, yes. Jason was a fan of Mindhunter, too. Absolutely. Actually, I knew a girl who worked on the set of Mindhunter, so um, she can fill us in on uh, some backstories, I'm sure. Well, before I... I uh, went to the job where I worked with Caroline uh, at. I worked with or for a guy who used to be um, in the behavioral science unit at the FBI and actually was a profiler. So it was really cool to kind of get to see, you know, a show that delved into the beginning of all that. Nice. Oh, yes. Yes. And Carl, a memory I have of you that I will never forget. Uh-oh. <laughs> is Uh, (laughs) usually our morning routine was to talk about what shows we had watched um and I came in one morning I remember and told you I had seen a film um I think it was on Amazon called Lake Mungo (laughs) I remember this and how I was really disturbed by it it really like I had trouble sleeping and I didn't really know what to make of it and so you went home that night and you watched it. I did. And you came back in and I just remember the first words out of your mouth were, yeah, that really reminded me of the Blair Witch. Yep. And I'm sure the look on my face was priceless because I actually thought that it was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> well, in all fairness, I thought the Blair Witch Project was a real documentary. I did too. <laughs> I was totally fooled by that one. Same. You're not the only one, Carl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that just really uh, taught me to always read the description because it's a mockumentary. <laughs> but if anyone is looking for a good paranormal mockumentary to watch, um, I really did enjoy Lake Mungo. I it think is you did really too. Good. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed it. It's got some good jump scares in it. It does. It does. Um, So Carl, I'll just go ahead and ask you a question that we were talking about earlier. Is there a series that everyone loved, but you just really couldn't get into? Well, not really a series, but a movie. The Little Things that came on HBO with Rami Malek, Jared Leto, and Denzel Washington. I love yes. that. Did you? I tried watching <laughs> like three times and I never could get more than 20 minutes into it. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was very like mysterious and you didn't really know like if he did it or did he? Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe I'll give it a fourth go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I did see that one too and I remember falling asleep midway through and then waking oh, up at the end <laughs> and I had to go back and watch it again and so I would say for that one I didn't love it um but it, it was well, if you fell was, asleep you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was okay I mean it, it was okay for me all right. Well, we have we're having you on today to talk about episode three of Dexter. Yes, I'm so excited! And this episode is called "Smoke Signals." So let's just get into it. Let's go. All right. So this um, episode opens with there is a break in the case, and we learn that there are thermal cameras in the woods that catch Matt 
um, killing the deer and then also an unidentified person um, in the woods as well. So um, who is it? <laughs> he looks familiar. <laughs> From the heat, the conspiracy definitely has a build that is familiar. Familiar. Yes. I guess one of my thoughts here too was, um, you know, just how there are cameras everywhere. <laughs> Right. So like, if you are going to like, why even commit a crime when like, like big brother is watching you everywhere or someone now is watching you. Well, and it goes back to what y'all, you know, mentioned in episode two was that it's another example of Dexter being sloppy, you know, this instinctual first kill, you know, 10 years removed, there weren't cameras everywhere, you know, back when he was in Miami doing this. And now He's totally out of practice. Right. Who knows if there's a drone flying over you these days, you know? That's a good point. Right. And that came up, um, I think it was in this episode or maybe the last episode where they sent a drone out. um, And I think it fell, whoever. (laughs) He broke it. (laughs) Someone broke the drone. But Deputy Dan broke it. But, but yes, I mean, like you said, Carl, just the time frame, the difference in 10 years ago, there weren't cameras everywhere. And now, I mean, everyone has a camera. So with that, they asked Dexter to try to identify, you know, that Matt's, you know, is that Matthew Caldwell on camera? And he says, yes. And then, you know, not really sure who the other person is. Of course, we know who that is. So they, they go back to searching and a conversation that struck me was between Chief Bishop um, and Dexter, where she says, you know, I can't believe I stopped the search. Um, and also something she said there is people don't just disappear. Um, there's always a reason. And I don't know what you all thought of that, but, you know, I, right there, I'm thinking, does it go back to your theory on the hotel and the girls? Yes. And also I'm thinking Iris. Right. Right. People don't just disappear. And we learn about that um, a little bit later on in the episode. Anyone else have any thoughts about that? I think it also kind of like sets her up for a redemption arc in a little bit because you know up until now like her authority you know has kind of been questioned whether or not you know how the investigation is going and it was kind of almost a realization on the part of the character to step back and say okay and as a viewer you know at least me I thought oh she's a good one which in four episodes, she'll probably murder somebody. But <laughs> oh, okay, she's one of the good, she is one of the good guys. She's in cahoots with the millionaire. We will Ooh, see. Well, I don't have some theories on that. Oh, yes. Um, so as we move through this episode, the CSI guy, I think they even call him that, shows up on the scene. And, you know, seems like a character that's incompetent, uh, kind of bumbling around, and then actually turns out to be, you know, not so incompetent. And so just something that happens here, um, Dexter and Matt's dad are um, around the scene and ask if they can tag along as he investigates to see if there's any blood or any evidence. And, you know, this was a moment for me where... (laughs) Um, I was like, yeah, no, this doesn't happen in real life. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say, nobody lets you tag along on a CSI investigation. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Dexter's there again, as as a viewer, you know that he is critiquing and narrating the scene about, uh, you know, the CSI guy and, and what he's doing and just how everything works. And, you know, I'm just thinking, yeah, this would never happen. Never. And, and they even put up tape and it's like, as long as you stay, you know, behind the scenes, you know, that's fine. Um, so yeah, that really struck me here. And then they find human blood at the scene. 
Um, and tech Dexter again mentions, as you said, Carl, you know, yeah, I've gotten sloppy. You yeah, think? And <laughs> definitely. And also it was very, his Damien, I think was the name of the CSI detective. Yes. Um, and his whole almost dance as he was going through what happened was very Dexter-esque from the previous season when he would go through a scene or a crime scene, playing out what happened, reading the blood splatter. Um, yeah, it was, it, it took me back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see Dexter there as a viewer because it's where the characters in the show don't know who he is, but we do. And so, it, you know, we're, we're just watching this. It's like you, there's like this uh, secret uh, as a viewer that you know, but the characters don't, what his previous life was. Well, speaking of that, um, can I talk about an Easter egg that I think I saw in the early part of the episode? Sure. Are you gonna when talk Evan, about the deputy wanting um, Harrison to wrestle? No, no, but <laughs> good point. I see where you're going there. Uh, whenever Dexter gets summoned to the sheriff's office and he walks in, we get a quick, like 45 second scene of the receptionist. And I noticed she's in a wheelchair and she has this dazzled lamp on her desk. And sitting on top of the lamp are five perfectly lined up different shades of fingernail polish. And also on her hand, every nail is a different design, not necessarily a different shade, but different design. And it very harkened back to the ice truck killer with the hand Dexter's mom when she was murdered had, you know, each fingernail painted differently. And I thought, well, that's weird. And so I reround and then I looked again and she has three glass deer figurines on her desk and she has a yeti tumbler with a deer on it so it's this like repetitive theme of this deer that keeps coming up mm -hmm. nice thought, that's weird i knew yeah, there's I a reason we needed a guest on jason <laughs> <laughs> also you know if you look at this episode the very first line dexter says he's the camera's panning over his land and you see the frozen lake and then his house. And he talks about like land, ice, privacy. There's all these different references to ice in this episode. Even the intro where you see the title, New Blood is like carved in ice. And there's another scene later um, where Kurt is like, it pans in on him taking a glass or a sip of his whiskey and it, you know, you get a tight shot of the ice cube. I, I feel like we may mm. have somebody coming back or at least in a dream sequence because we know how that ended. Yeah, well, that's interesting too that um, you mentioned the ice and then the painted fingernails back to that first season with the ice truck killer and yeah. his brother. So hmm. both born in blood. Well, interesting. Also, can we talk about Psycho Ghost Deb and the wood chipper scene? We can, but let's, do we want to talk about that now or when we get a little bit further? Into oh, I the thought episode? that was at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit further down, but uh -oh. yes, yeah, so I definitely want you to talk about that, that scene. And I'll just move into, I just maybe have one or two things I just want to mention um, to talk about. We also, the scene moves on where we learn a little bit more about Harrison. And I would say, again, Harrison and Dexter's relationship at this point in the series where he is called to school um, and um, they're talking about what, what grade, um, you know, he should he should be in and he needs to take a placement test um and so he takes this placement test and scores higher than any other um, high school student and so they think that he's cheated and so dexter um 
you know, trying to figure out what to do about it. And Dexter says, we'll just take the test again. Um, and so Harrison isn't too happy about that. And right there, you see sort of this tension brewing between Dexter and Harrison, you know, him saying, you know, you just need to have my back and, and you don't. Um, so one thing that really, other than um, just the relationship there of building some tension in the scene, one of the things that struck me was this idea looking at serial killers or um, or other criminals that are smarter than everyone else and kind of setting us up, Harrison, who is he? Um, and that he scored higher than any other high school student, but then when he took it again, he scored even higher. And so it really reminded me when I think about someone of the Unabomber, <laughs> for example, yeah. and how smart they can be in certain ways, um, but then in other ways, right? Like it's very difficult for them to function in everyday life. Um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring that up. That's sort of uh, the first time in the episode where we start to see that um, and they're really kind of starting to talk more about um, Harrison and who he is. I kind of feel like the whole show might take a swing and center around Harrison with what we're learning um, that he's smart, he's calculated and that he is the new, possibly new Dexter. So um, I, th I think that that's going to be the focus of the series as we move on. I 100% agree. You know, we're starting to see this like character of Harrison. The onion is really getting peeled back. And as you know, we see in a little bit, he's very much, he seems to have a code um mm. rooting for the underdog looking out for the underdog mm -hmm. very much like dexter's code and you wonder you know did someone did hannah see the dark tendencies in him and preemptively try to raise him with a code much like you know dexter was i i i definitely agree i think harrison is going to become a main player in the series and did you notice with Ethan when he was, you know, protecting him and then they were talking on FaceTime, how fascinated he was with Ethan's art. It was almost, you could see the wheels turning in his head. Like he could manipulate Ethan even to do things for him. Yes. As this episode unfolds, you start to, you know, see these characteristics come out about Harrison and as we talk about it more, I also think that for me, it's sort of a back and forth of, is he like Dexter? And then something comes up, well, maybe he's not like Dexter. So I think there is sort of a, I don't, I, I, I want to say a game that the writers and, you know, are kind of playing with us, this guessing game on, it appears he's like Dexter is he like Dexter? Is he going to go in this direction or are we wrong? You know, so I kind of see that playing out as well. Well, I kind of see myself being fascinated with Harrison, but also the actor. <laughs> I've creeped on his Instagram a little bit. Um, Jack Alcott is his name. And he actually, did you know he went to school at uh, UNC Chapel Hill? And that's, no. that's also where Lucas Hedges attended school. They were both in the theater program together. Hmm. So, you know, I get fascinated with um, the character and the actor. I think this kid could be like the new uh, Timothy Chalamet. I, I, I like him. I, I feel like I've seen him before, um, but I can't really place where I've seen him. On the streets of UNC Chapel Hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's definitely an interesting I mean I am I am sort of fascinated with him too as an actor right um, and I think also if we can't get Michael C. Hall on our show 
<laughs> Maybe we can get Jack. <laughs> hey, Jack, if you're listening. Like one more episode at gmail.com. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> As we move forward in the episode, um, this other plot line with the runaway um, starts to emerge again. And we see that she is let out of where she is. While the song Runaway is playing. The song Runaway yeah. is playing. And she's let out. And then um, her captor basically plays target practice with her. Which also reminded me of the movie Red Dot that's on Netflix. I don't know if any of you saw that. But my just initial visual of that reminded me of that film um and we see that her captor um he is masked so we don't know who it is but who does it look like to you all it looks like her caldwell yes i mean i it was a little weird to me because he was masked but as a viewer Yes, the eye. So it was like... And the watch. Oh, I didn't notice the watch. But it was like, you don't want us to know who it is, but you do want us to know who it is. Do you want to hear my theory about that? Yes. So I feel like a main theme running through this new series is the hereditary nature of evil, right? Like, are these serial killers that we've known from the previous Dexter who were born in blood, once, you know, you're baptized in a way into that psychopathy, can you then pass that on? Well, we saw, you know, Dexter had a serial killer brother. Now, Mm -hmm. again, the argument can be made, they were both born in blood, but, you know, we knew that Matthew Caldwell Dexter's first victim was a bad person, right? He had killed people, had been responsible for people's death. I think his dad is the captor guy. And, you know, that's another example of this child who has taken on their parent or their father's dark passenger, if you will. But do you also think it could be Edward Olson, the millionaire? I, I think he's a red herring, honestly. Like, I don't, I think right now, I don't think, I don't know. See, I mean, I noticed when he came up behind them when the, the car, they were having car trouble, that an old song was playing similar to Runaway in his oh. truck. So I thought, hmm. Yes, I'm trying to figure out, again, you know, the red herring of, he's been in, each episode just like a small scene just Mm -hmm. a couple minutes and so again is it to try to confuse the audience or is he you know a player in in what's going on did you hear dexter too when he he actually heard the shot um, of the girl in the morning when he was carrying the vest around to try to um you know get the the scent for the dogs closer to the road um he hears the shot and he says i wouldn't want to be prey around here because hunters wake up so early mm-hmm. so it had to have been early in the morning when he shot her mm-hmm. yes um and that's that's something else that um you know as we move through this episode again just as you brought up dexter um trying to spread the scent um, Matt Matthew sent around the woods. We have cameras, so is he not being seen doing right? <laughs> I was wondering that as well. Are they not picking him up dancing around the field with a jacket? <laughs> Maybe they think it's someone on acid or peyote. <laughs> I mean, good point. Yeah, we we see. Um, so um, our captor. Um, who we all think, uh, I think Carl and I think is um, Kirk Caldwell and Jason. Oh. Jason says it may be Olson. 
we we see him later he does kill this runaway and then he's prepping her body on a table and going through his own ritual and again you know kind of that um visual element that does remind you of of dexter and a table right and going through a ritual and you know iron lake has its own serial killer is what i'm thinking here um, and so again, it connects for me back to Iris, who it sounds like to me has probably gone missing, even though people may think she's run away or left town and, you know, whoever else may have gone missing over the years in Iron Lake. Well, let's go back to the table and him filling her with formaldehyde or who knows what it is. Who can afford equipment like that? Kurt or the millionaire, <laughs> right? good point but kurt Kurt also is wealthy true right oh yeah yeah he is maybe not as wealthy as billionaire guy but yeah they've got some funds yeah and it looked like she was being kept in an underground right she shoots up from the ground it's like almost like a a fallout shelter or something right make it look yeah. like a hotel room yeah right and it looked like when he was shooting her that it was like in in the woods in this cabin um so yeah i'm not really sure where his equipment was and the table but um i'm guessing it was right there as well maybe underground that of that house it could um, be at the camp Right. They've mentioned the summer camp a few right. times. Um, and so that's that's what I was thinking, um, because when he has a phone call with Chief Bishop about the investigation, he does ask about the summer camp. Right. You know, we get to where Dexter is kind of forced to dinner um, with Angela, her do- her stepdaughter and Harrison. Um, but then, you know, when he is surrounded by them, he's like, well, I have a family again. So I think he is still conflicted wanting to go back to a normal life, um, and kind of regretting, uh, maybe killing Matthew. Um, he does say in the beginning of the episode that he he really wants people to get off his land so that he can be a good dad to Harrison. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, he's dropping Harrison off at school. And this is where we get to psycho ghost Deb showing up again. Um, and it, what, was it that scene where she's shoving a gun in his face? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like her cop issued Glock. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, uh, with a wood chipper. <laughs> putting a body into it and he's like that's way too far ago which i thought was hilarious yeah i thought that was funny too well and in that scene she's um you know he um as we know was spreading matthew scent around to try to confuse the search dogs um and then she's telling him you've got to get rid of the body and and then you know he he uh does get the idea to, to take the body somewhere um where there's a, a big fire and i'm trying to figure out what that is in town do you it's guys an know incinerator, but like they just leave it open for everybody. right right in the middle of town <laughs> right like, rain down like garbage ash on the town citizens what's that about yeah yeah well and before that he had decided to um take the body to the landmine or sorry just the mine right where and he so, meets the bear right i'm a bear right he hiked up the body that you know i love how it's in a backpack as well how can he fit back. the whole body in that backpack <laughs> okay. did he have the body or was he just scoping out a place i thought I, he had the body because i thought he went and retrieved it and the pieces of it and then put it in the backpack and because it looked like a pretty long hike I thought he had originally just like dug him up and got the jacket, then like broke, threw some dirt back on him, went and spread the scent, and then went and searched out for like a place to potentially, you know, dispose of the body. 
maybe how you don't fit it in that backpack i know see i thought he did you know i thought he's resourceful he he just (laughs) good point he got a really good rubber band (laughs) (laughs) you know another uh, person that's entered the show is this molly park who is a podcaster yes um, so you know we're going to start learning a little bit about her too and you know maybe she's someone that carries a dark passenger as well who knows maybe yeah i loved uh when we found out exactly who she was um it for me harking back to uh, only murders in the building which i think y'all talked about last week which was another show i loved and just thought it was hilarious uh, that, yes. you know, making a podcast of a true crime as it's happening. Also, when Dexter uh, left the uh, or ran out of the cave away from the bear, and um, the sheriff called him, did y'all realize he said, Hey, you? Hey, you? Like he used to say to Rita all the time when she would call. Oh, I didn't notice that. Ooh. I think it's the first time in this series that we've heard him say that but as soon as he said it like it triggered something for me because I, I when I think of Dexter that's one of the phrases I think of him saying I did not pick up on that I didn't either I did notice that Harrison um he did call him dad I think towards yeah. the end of the episode and that was kind of a heartfelt moment you're kind of like oh yes Harrison really wants his dad back like he really really does y'all you almost feel bad for him because like he's trying so hard to make this connection and Dexter isn't well you know he's still compartmentalizing and he's compartmentalizing Harrison and it's like Harrison I guess at this point doesn't understand what's going on or why he's like that um but it's it's interesting to watch those walls come down for Dexter because you saw when Harrison called him that, like it really tugged at him. Mm-hmm. Right. But and I think there's a sensitive side to Harrison and, you know, he really wanted to help um, Angela's stepdaughter give the deer um, a dignifying burial as well. He was like, well, well, let's do this. So, I mean, he was really the one I think that was kind of leading that for her. So um, there, there is uh, a lot of qualities we're learning, I think, about Harrison. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the things that we've learned about him throughout this episode. We see that there is another high school student named Ethan that he takes up for. You mentioned that earlier. And um, not just takes up for, but gets super aggressive uh, with another student and grabs him across the throat. I think that was a moment too, where we're talking about, is he like Dexter? And um, so we see that aggression in that scene. Right. And, and the daughter is also like Matt or, you know, where did you get those moves Harrison? Right. And I think he says something to the effect of I've moved around a lot or something. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, as you said, we see him um, when Ethan shows him those pretty violent pictures that he's drawn. And he seems, again, the look on his face is, is, is kind of weird to me. Um, He's enjoying the pictures, I feel like, but then I don't know. I'm not really sure what to make of that reaction. Let me ask y'all, did you notice during that scene, we got two different versions or two different pictures of Harrison. We had one where the camera was right on him and he was smiling, listening to Ethan. And the other showed his point of view, him looking at the phone and you saw Ethan's pictures, but then you also saw the FaceTime box of his face which yes. looked stoic but when you went back to the camera pan directly on him he's smiling and that got me thinking like are we seeing a dual side of Harrison here you know this side of him that us the viewer only knows like with Dexter 
that, he, that he's enjoying this, but then we're also getting to see the you know facade that he's putting out there to the other characters that he's interacting with, this stoic look, not showing any kind of expression. Hmm. That's very, interesting. Yeah. Very good points. I did notice that um, for whatever reason, I don't even know why they showed the little, the little box of him and mm -hmm. of that, how his, he looked different. I think maybe, and that's just where that confusion in that scene maybe came up for me that um, as far as the writing goes, um, I think there, again, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it confusion, but just writing his character in a way that makes you question who he is. Um, and he has this dual personality as all people do. I mean, everyone's complex and we put on different faces and actions depending on who we're talking to or who we're with. When I saw that scene, I really thought that we were going to hear Harrison narrate something before the episode was over. Ooh, that would be... Ooh, you should have been a writer for the show. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's listening, I'm always looking for a side hustle. <laughs> I do have a degree in English. <laughs> yeah, and something that I was just thinking of after this scene concluded is... What is Ethan going to do? Is he going to do something? Um, he obviously has a lot of probably built up anger. Um, and just, yeah, I, I guess I was just thinking about, is this going to go anywhere with Ethan? Any actions? Right. I mean, is he going to push Ethan's buttons, I'm wondering, or team up with Ethan somehow? Something's going to happen. Yes, yeah. or is Ethan going to do something at school, right? Is he planning something himself behind the scenes? Right. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure at this point, but those were some of the thoughts I had there. I definitely think there's something there that's going to boil over. Um, I don't think we've seen the last of Ethan. And I think in a way we're going to continue to see Ethan and Harrison. I think Harrison is going to feed into whatever these emotions Ethan is having. And I think, like you said, he's going to just push those buttons. Something else that happens... We do see Angela visit the reservation, wanting to talk with um, someone there about their whereabouts um, when Matthew Caldwell went missing. Um, so we learn a little bit here in this scene. Um, the woman that she talks to calls her Angie. Um, and then Iris is brought up again. Um, so it sounds like to me that Iris was probably a friend of Angela Bishop's and that I'm thinking probably birthed Audrey and then left town. And that's why Angela then adopted Audrey. That's really good. I didn't think that sounds that. like a good theory. Yeah. Well, and in the car, when um, she's with Harrison, she talks a little bit about that of her father died and then her mom left um, when she was a baby. And so just kind of, you know, putting that together on who was Iris, um, that's what I'm thinking at this point. And again, we talked about the serial killer in Iron Lake, who we think is, I think most of us think is Kurt Caldwell, <laughs> that I'm guessing that he's been doing this for a while and that Iris did not go missing, but um, was actually killed by Kirk. Or whoever the captor is. Right. One whoever. Edward. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've come now to um, the end. To the end of the episode where we're um, looking at 
really the last scenes with um, the deer, Audrey and Harrison talking about the importance of taking the deer back to the reservation and giving it a proper burial. Right. Um, and and I think ritual. even during, yeah, the ritual, um, someone says during that moment, humans deal with death through rituals. Right. I think for me too, there's a real contrast here in um, this having respect um, for this deer that has died, but yet then the contrast of Dexter, who's a serial killer, and Kurt so easily killing people and things. So not really having respect or dignity for life when people are alive, but then after they die of um, going through a ritual, so respecting the dead, but maybe not respecting life. I don't know. I kind of, you know, was looking at this final scene and thinking about that. Well, it's kind of like opposites. I feel like Kurt and Matt had no respect for a deer on reservation land, especially the white albino deer. And then you've got Dexter and Harrison possibly that don't respect life of a human. You know what I mean? So um, there's, there's some contrasting things there. Well, and also, you know, I think earlier in this episode, Harrison, when he was talking to Ethan, mentioned something about getting justice for the victim. So I think, you know, in a similar way, Dexter, they have respect for life, but it's more the life of these victims, the life of the people who have been wronged, and so much not respecting life of those who commit these atrocities, right? And it's that fine line that, you know, at least, you know, Dexter, who we know walks, between this family, you know, life and then this dark passenger. And it's like, who, who does, and again, you know, I'm sorry, I binged uh, both episodes yesterday. So y'all are fresh on my mind. But, you know, I think y'all had talked about the different uh, respects towards the death penalty in different states. Um, you know, and this to me kind of harkens back to that, like, who really gets to draw the line on necessarily which life is respected? When is your life, do you give up some respect for your own life whenever you commit these atrocities to other people? And then is it justified in your life being taken? Um, so, you know, I think we kind of got a little bit of that, you know, in this scene. And again, this was an opportunity for, you know, some parent-child bonding both on the part of Angela and what's the stepdaughter's name? Audrey. Yeah, Angela and Audrey, because when they were at dinner and Audrey brought this up, you know, Angela said, this isn't like, I'm on your side. This is me trying to help you. And then in, when we saw, you know, at this Native American ritual for this deer, Harrison and Dexter standing right next to each other. If you go back and look at the shot, they're standing exactly the same. And with the lighting, they almost look very similar. And Dexter makes a statement like, you know, we're 10 feet away, but I've been, I feel a thousand miles or 10,000 miles apart. Um, and I, was this the scene where Harrison called him dad? Yes. Yes. Like there were these like bonding moments there. Well, and, and, and you bring up the fact that, this, you know, he felt a thousand miles away. And then at the end of the episode, when he is picking up, you know, Kurt at the bar, sees him drunk out in town or whatever, you know, the ashes of Matthew are flying around yes. and they hit him. And then Dex, Dexter says he thinks that Matt ashes flying on him are the closest they've ever been. So... There's lots of bonding moments. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. Right. The ending of the episode was really weird to me. Um, where Matthew's father, Kurt, says that he's talked to him on the phone right. and they FaceTime. And then Dexter is giving him a ride and they drive off down the street. Um I'm, I just really don't 
know what to make of this right now. I have two theories. You want to hear them? Go for it. Theory one, you know, we talked about Dexter being sloppy. Kurt knows Dexter is the one behind it and he's testing him. He wants to see, you know, Kurt now knows what happened that his son is dead and Dexter's responsible and he wants to see, like, if Dexter is willing to give anything up or exactly what kind of monster he's dealing with. My other theory is when um, Damien, CSI guy, you know, his scene with him, he took a DNA sample from Kurt to match. And if you saw, you know, the actor's face in that scene, there was a little bit of worry, it seemed like. So now I'm wondering, is he scared because he is this captor guy killing, you know, these Ooh, women? And yeah. now the cops have his DNA. Does he just need to squash it? Like, is his ability to keep this dark passenger going worth more than truly finding justice for his son? You see, well, to say, I don't, I don't care who killed him. I just got to keep myself safe. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, something else that kind of, you know, I was thinking of is just, you know, kind of like a takes one to no one, like serial yeah. killer to serial killer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, they can just kind of sniff each other out, right? Like people that t they tend not to like people that are reflecting back to them, maybe qualities about themselves that, that they, they, don't like. they yeah. really don't like. Right. So that kind of, you know, the snarky part of me <laughs> was like, takes one to know one. But I, I do like your, oh, I, yes. I mean, that hadn't even crossed my mind about the DNA sample, but I do recall the look on his face um, and probably just kind of like brushed it off, like in the scene. Um, interesting. What about you, Jason? That's a good Any theory. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, I just think that um, maybe if Kurt finds more out about Dexter, that he may try to do something to Harrison in retaliation. A son for a son. Yeah. That's why you have all these bonding moments going on. Interesting. <laughs> It also, this ending reminded me of season four with the Trinity killer of these two serial killers facing off with each other and someone's going to die. That is really important. Uh, I mean, I don't know that that's those thoughts crept well, in. Since you brought up Trinity, something I thought about, you know, with all this deer imagery, do you remember back in season four, Dexter and Arthur, Arthur Mitchell, who was the Trinity killer, he doesn't know Dexter as Dexter, and they're going off into the woods, I think to look for a Christmas tree or something, and they hit a deer, but the deer doesn't die, and so they're outside, and Trinity, Arthur Mitchell, is having this, like, conniption because Dexter tells him, finish it off you know, take it out of its misery. And he can't do it. He stoves up and it's almost like this realization that the killer part of him is so compartmentalized that he can't cross it over into this now personal space. And it, you know, that has really stuck out with me thinking about all these deer and Dexter's inability to harm the white albino deer. Like he never hunts it he just watches it and then eventually you know interacts with it and then that's when d-bag matthew kills <laughs> that's the trigger you know i think you talked about in the previous episode that being a trigger for him and mm -hmm. it's something i feel like there's a lot more coming with this deer symbolism mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely symbolism there yeah any predictions for what's coming up in the next episode? I figure there's going to be another missing girl. Um, whether it's going, it could be the podcaster, um, could be a schoolmate, but I figure someone else will, will go missing. 
I agree. I think there's definitely going to be another female that comes up missing. Um, and I think Dexter is going to, I think in the next episode, Dexter is going to start finding descent of this other serial killer living in his midst. Like, I just, I feel like we're getting to the point where Dexter's spidey senses are going to start going off and he's going to realize I'm not the only one around. Mm, interesting. I think that Ethan um, may attempt to do something tragic at the school. And I think that Harrison might stop him from doing that. I was going to say that, yeah. He's either going to stop him or he's going to push the buttons for him to do it up big. It could go either way. I'm also wondering about, um, and I can't recall his name, but Angela Bishop's partner on the force. Oh, the deputy wrestler guy? Yes. Um, I feel like his... That's why he'll be known to me, deputy deputy <laughs> wrestler guy. <laughs> I, I feel like he reminds me of Dokes. Um in the series Dexter that the interview that they had together he seemed like he was questioning Dexter's answers yes a little bit more and so I'm wondering if he's going to be a character that is catching on to Dexter as the killer of Matthew Caldwell right and is maybe looks at him a little bit further compared to Angela or anyone else on the and maybe he wants Harrison to wrestle so he can learn more about his dad right yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) wow that's really reaching there um so does anyone have any just random thoughts um that came up while watching the episode I noticed one from the end credits. Uh, well, back having seen the end credits, back in the scene where we see um, the captor looking at the laptop as the camera slowly pans back, there are three books sitting there, and the author is Clyde Phillips, who is the showrunner for New Blood. He was a writer on um, the first iteration of Dexter. Uh, I just thought that was a cute little like shout out. Yeah, I have seen him come up. He's one of the first names that comes up in the credits. Interesting. Also, one other thing. Have y'all noticed that anime, like themes of anime or like graphic novel-esque depictions through the show? Like Ethan, uh, Zach calls him, I think, what is it? a small dick anime virgin. And then, you know, his drawings are very anime-esque. The intros to the actual episodes and the outros are very graphic novel, anime-esque. And then you have like, you know, the weird moments where Deb is, you know, throwing body parts into a wood chipper, you know, those little like points thrown in. I don't know, that was something that just stuck out to me. I feel like it's going to be around throughout the season. So I'm looking forward to seeing where, you know, the writers go with that. Do you have any random thoughts, Jason? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) No. The only other thing I guess I would say is just Deb being back in this episode. Um, I mean, she was a little calmer than last episode, I felt like. Oh, you do? Um, With the gun and the wood chipper? It's like she's more off-hinge this episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think think she's just going to keep, like, escalating each episode. (laughs) But I do, but I guess I had the sense that she was trying to help him, maybe, that, you know, you've got to get rid of the body, Dexter. Like, I, I felt like that that was also part of her shtick, too. So... Maybe that's why I felt she was a little less unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think she's going to keep spiraling as this um, crazy ghost on each episode. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to 
just how outrageous she's going to get. Like, I feel like <laughs> we're going to, she's going to go further than the wood chipper, right? And I can't wait to see where that goes. On the last episode, my prediction was, I don't necessarily think that Dexter is going to kill again. And at the end of this episode, um, it ends uh, one of the final scenes his conversation with Harrison where he does um, or he's narrating to the audience and he says, you know, he wants to be a dad and this is one and done. And so again, I feel like if he does kill again, he's at least trying not to (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so (laughs) I really don't think I, I just don't think he's going to unless he has to. Well, this investigation keeps going on throughout the season. He is, you're right. He's probably just going to keep trying to keep the scent off of him. And, you know, he's got a lot going on. He's got a girlfriend. He's got Harrison. Um, He might have another serial killer um, learning about him and wanting to kill him. So, yeah, he's got... I mean, it's like all the seasons wrapped into each other of the old Dexter. So I have a prediction, but none of my friends that I've shared it with like it. Oh, we'll share it. Go ahead. (laughs) I don't think Dexter is going to be alive at the end of this season. I feel that way too. I agree with you. I think Dexter is going to be Harrison's dark passenger. I think much like Deb is that for Dexter this season. I think we're going to lose Dexter. It's going to be a, you know, birth by blood for Harrison. And this the series is going to progress with Harrison being, you know, the center character with Dexter being his inner monologue or, you know, voice of reason. Yeah, I think they brought back the show sort of to have the spinoff maybe with Harrison I think it it could be heading in that direction I really do well we had we actually had someone send us a message Um, was it Michael C. Hall (laughs) was it Jack Alcott (laughs) (laughs) on a previous episode Jason you received the messages Someone asked us about our prediction and if we thought Dexter, one, deserved to live at the end of this series and have a, uh, you know, continue on and have a life, or if we thought that he should finally die for, you know, his sins and, and for killing. It would, re- <sighs> I'm so I mean, torn. He's got to die, right? I mean, he has to. I'm so torn. I just, I think it will, it's, it's just going to devastate me if he does, but my gut tells me that we all die at some point (laughs) and he, and he, and he, he, he will die at the end. What if he dies for like a stupid reason? Like he trips and falls and hits his head. (laughs) Oops. That's the end of Dexter. (laughs) You know, I will say that I have read, you know, the interview I read, well, there have been a few that Michael C. Hall has given. And it sounds like that he wants the audience to be satisfied. And he only agreed to do this if the ending would satisfy viewers. So. Respect. Yeah. I don't think he's going to trip and fall and. (laughs) On a potato or something. (laughs) I mean, at this point, he's got to end up in trash bags. You know what I mean? Like in pieces. He's just gotta. Or what if it's like a twist, like the other serial killer kills Dexter, Harrison finds him, and Harrison has to get rid of the mess. And then like he's a suspect or he has, you know, it it, it could take a lot of twists and turns. Yes. That would be fun to watch. Yeah, I really want the show to start doing that. I think it needs some more twists and turns um, to keep the audience captivated. Agreed. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think um, that's it for us. And we've had such a fun time with our guest, Carl. Thanks, Carl. Thank y'all. It's been so much fun. It's been great catching up with you, Caroline, and also meeting my cousin, Jason. All right. Cousins over here. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we might, um, thinking about the finale in our our wrap-up podcast, we may have some guests back on. So stay tuned. You never know. Stay tuned. Yeah, it could be a a big family reunion. (laughs) All right, that's it for us. We will see you all next week. See you next week. Thanks, y'all. Bye, Carl. Bye, Carl. Bye. This has been a Caroline Home Production.